Don Rahul Jimenez. How amateur is that? Like, you don't even see that down in the park. If they, if they lose, it provides great content. I am supporting every team that plays break. I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Who would you rather lose it to, by the way, me or Johnny? That's somebody's choice. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Football Babble. It is Sunday, uh, the 9th of May. Uh, we're getting this done in early because Bretton would like to watch Roy McIlroy hopefully rump to victory at Quail Hollow. So would I, but I know as soon as I put it on, I'll jinx him like I have done in every tournament for the last, what, 10 years? I'm going to watch it. There's four of us on the night. JD is, uh, he's waning and dining his good lady for her birthday, I believe. So, um, He's not available, but there, there will possibly be a voice note added into this podcast at some point. So it's myself, Phil. It's Brenton. Hello, Brenton. Hello. Uh, Paddy. Good evening, Paddy. Good evening, fellas. And, of course, the very bold one, Steve. Good evening, Steve. Good evening. Did any see uh, <laughs> uh, Unai Emery uh, do, do his interview after the semi-final win the other night? And he, you could tell he's been waiting a couple of years or 18 months, whatever it was, to say good evening and really emphasise that he could say his Vs. Did any see that on Thursday night? <laughs> Uh, I didn't see it, but that sounds. I thought really it was hilarious. God love him, like you could tell it was playing on his mind. And, he, and your man interviews him or introduces him, and he's like, "Good evening." Like this here, he really emphasises <laughs> across the microphone. <laughs> I was like, "Good for you, and I, you fucking hero, you." Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that because Villarreal will be playing against Manchester United in the Europa League final in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the Champions League final and who we think will possibly win that. Um, it's been going to come up. The three sort of breakaway Super League teams that are still remaining staunch uh, in their pursuit of this new league uh, issued statements at the end of last week basically saying they're going to sue and uh, clean the clocks of the nine clubs that have uh, refused to break away with them. So I'll get our views on that. What next for Arsenal? Uh, we'll chat about that. I'm sure JD will have his opinion too. And then any other business uh, towards the end, touch on. Emma Hayes and her brilliant, brilliant Chelsea team, or me, and also Josie Mourinho somehow back in football management when he takes on takes over at Roma next season. Pardon me. So let's get into it. Brenton, Champions League final, another one. Uh, I think it's third, isn't it? Third European Champions League final. Uh, Thomas mm-hmm. Tuchel, decent job he is doing. Just as you you're gonna go first here, what are your thoughts on it? I know you you beat Man City yesterday, but both teams that sort of change a few players about still a good result but what's your thoughts on the final coming up um yeah i think i was <clears throat> it was really interesting um chelsea and man city had to immediately play each other after those semi-finals um and even maybe more so with those two managers because you know they can do strange things tactically in a game to to try and get that little bit of an advantage uh, and I think you saw that neither of them really wanted to do that. Pep played some sort of weird formation with four up front. Um, kind of let Rodri defend for himself there, who I felt sorry for in the middle. Um, and yeah, I made nine changes um, from the from the PSG game. So 
I mean, talk about not wanting to show your hand. Definitely uh, was applied there. And I think the same with Tuchel played, you know, Mike wasn't in the squad, Chilwell wasn't in the squad, Thiago Silva was on the bench, Jorginho didn't start, Havertz didn't start. Kovacic is obviously not quite maybe fit enough yet uh, to count day off after 60, 70 minutes. Yeah, there was um, there was a lot of that going on, and I don't think e- either of the maybe more so the the FA Cup semi final, although Man City did make a changes in that game as well. Um, but I don't think Chelsea have really played prime Man City this season yet. Um, you know they've they've come in in two uh, they've come up against them in two scenarios where. You know, for the FA Cup semi-final, they were still kind of um, focusing on the league and the Champions League, and then the the league game there at the weekend, uh, they've already won the league, um, and now it's the unique situation of playing a team a couple of weeks before you play them in the the biggest game that your club has ever had. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be a, a tougher test, um, but I think you know we've seen Chelsea now not concede um, against massive clubs, clubs who are playing well all this season. Um, you know, going into to the Atletico game, for example, you know, Atletico were flying high in La Liga and, you know, Chelsea just kept them at a distance. You know, they didn't get many chances. Um, Real Madrid, they, they kept at a distance in that second leg, apart from the odd a little scare, um, but in general, you know, defensively they they look great. Um, Christensen looks like he, you know, may or may not be fit for that game. But I mean, thought Kurt Zuma came in yesterday and played very well. Obviously, Thiago Silva will be, I would say, will be back for the final as well. So, um, I think what you know, the general tactics will probably be the same. Whereas I think we're starting to see Werner, um, in the Champions League final. And Man City and Pep will play that high line. That's the one thing that they will do. Um, and, you know, they've done it all season, no matter who they're playing against. Yes, they all time to get caught out, but I think that's the that's the risk that Pep's willing to take. And it'll be a matter of cat and mouth, maybe, you know, whether City will have the quality to break through that Chelsea defence and whether Chelsea will get their opportunities on the break and, more importantly, probably take those opportunities. So against Real Madrid, the, the sheer amount of chances they missed, um, which was concerning. Um, but, you know, there's there's some end product starting to come, maybe. Um, but I just I don't think they'll get that many against City. Uh, so they'll need to be more clinical. Pat, do you think... Um or Steve even, Steve, do you want to jump in? Do you, do you think, who do you think is going to win this Champions League final? <clears throat> um, I think Chelsea are going to win it. And I think Chelsea have really kind of, I think Brendan touched upon it there, that Manchester City really like to play a high line. But Manchester City have played, have, have conceded two or more goals five times this season. And have lost every single one of these games. And I don't understand why teams aren't trying to take advantage of, you know, go for the, it's the, the conversation we have, where we used to have about Liverpool that when Klopp first to- took over, he didn't mind conceding two goals because he was confident they'd score three. And I genuinely think that 
too many teams make the mistake of trying to play tight defensive football against Manchester City. But actually, if I think you, if you try and match them stride for stride, you've got a much better chance. We saw that with Leeds. We saw that with Man United as well this season. And I think there's something, there's something obviously, like five is a small sample size, but I mean, when it's every single game you've conceded two goals in, you've lost. That has to play on your mind as a manager, as a player and things like that. So if I was Tuchel, I'd be setting Chelsea up as attacking as I can possibly make them. Um, take, take the risk that yeah, City are going to score, but if they continue to play that high line, like, you got it's a Champions League final. You can't coach not to, not to lose it. Like you have to coach to win it. So I think Tuchel, given the the depth of his experience in in European football, given his kind of where Chelsea are starting to move towards, because I think when he first came in, the it was really clear he wanted to fix the defense. It was really clear that clean sheets and and, and making them solid at the back was a priority. But I I, I get the sense that. Yeah, the end production might not be fully there yet, but the the style of play is starting to gear and switch more towards kind of attacking football as well. So I think I I'd just dive into that for the Champions League final, and I really think they've got a good chance. Yeah, it's hard to beat a team three times in a season, and I'm sure Brendan would it probably take the you know would take a Champions League final win over a an FA Cup semi-final or a league win when there's nothing really on the line but like that is that's probably in Manchester City's favour that that, that that it is hard to, to win that third game or whatever but I think it's like I know Chelsea City will go in as favourites but I think it's Chelsea's to lose to be absolutely honest because I think Tuchel there's something about that Chelsea team now and I, I know they had a bit of a blip in the middle but it's not that long ago that we were all talking about Chelsea as like legitimate title contenders next season they were to get a Champions League this season out of it, that's some start, I think, for the, the new regime. Yeah, I think the that's... Echo... Oh, sorry, Brent, go ahead. So, just really quickly, um, uh, that's really important what Steve said there about the attacking setup. And I think a lot of that is going to come from the wing backs he chooses, or the, especially on the right hand side. Um, and now even more so with Christensen possibly being injured. Um, Azpilicueta might play in that back three. And we've seen him there recently, you know, in the couple of Real Madrid games, he's played as a inverted commas wing back, but I mean, really defensively so. Um, and the odd random time, you know, he'd break forward in those games. Um, but Reese James was fantastic yesterday against Man City. And I think if he wants to go full attack uh, from the start he'd play Reece James as that wing back and Azpilicueta makes a lot into that back three and it might be um, Azpilicueta, Thiago Silva and Rudiger and then you know Chilwell on the other side because he offers you both um, so yeah I think that's that's probably where the, the choice will be for Tuchel What about you Paddy? Would you echo the two lads thoughts? Do you especially Steve, do you, do you see Chelsea winning the Champions League? I think they've got a, they've got a fantastic chance. Like they've they've been so professional in you know getting to the final in terms of the knockout rounds. Like the Atletico, Porto, Real Madrid, they never really looked in danger of of losing any of those ties. Really, they were so comfortable and uh, mature European performances. I think Chelsea have a fantastic squad, and we've talked about that throughout the season about how they they really have two players for every position and the drop off between each. 
isn't really that stark either. Um, that being said, I I would I would probably still I don't know Chelsea have had had the better of 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 Man City in the league this year and and the FA Cup and things, but I would if I was putting if it was a betting man, I would I would probably go for City. I just think they're going to get over the line. I think this is their time. I will will absolutely loathe to see them lift that uh, big eared cup, but I just think I think Pep has maybe reined himself in a little bit and stopped uh, trying to complicate matters, and they've been fairly fairly comfortable going through as well the the latter stages and just the likes of De Bruyne on your pitch and. And uh, and whoever else, I just think they're and they're they're so solid at the back as well in general. I just think that if they're at it, they'll win it. Um, I think they don't really have the mental fortitude of 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 maybe some other great sides that have graced the, the competition. As like Steve said, they if they concede a couple of goals, they're they're not going to win the game. And I can't remember exactly the the stat, but. They're really poor at coming from behind to win games. If they go one nil down, they really find it hard to get up to turn it back around in general. So the first goal, as in any game, is going to be vital. But I think in this game in particular, um, whoever gets the first one will will win the win the trophy. I, I fancy. I I talked to Brandon about this last night. Um, I fancy Chelsea to win it, and I'm not talking about um, yesterday's league result was was brilliant, and to come from behind obviously to win. Especially after uh, poor old Sergio Aguero uh, tried and failed with Panenka, um, his class. But there was a lot of changes to yesterday, and obviously City had, I think they changed eight or nine from from their win during the week against PSG. So I wouldn't read into that, but I'd read into the FA Cup semi final and how how well Chelsea played then, and also just Puchlo's record against some of the the best coaches in the world has been absolutely ridiculous. Has he only conceded one goal against? You can write my name, list off all of them, all the last top ten coaches in the world that he's up, been up against, and he's he's bossed all of them. This Chelsea side are really, really impressive. And I think I saw Karlanka tweeting about it during the week when they dominated Real Madrid, saying um, this Chelsea side are serious, serious danger for next season. And and we've said it before, yeah. And I think they'll win this, and then <laughs> I don't know who they might add. They might need, need add anyone, but I think going forward into next year, it's going to be such a boost and. That like uh, Liverpool, Manchester United, Spurs, Arsenal are all trying to gather themselves, and Chelsea are going to come through, um, and look like they're going to be the team that's going to probably take this title off City next year, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I just would, he's, he's been so impressive, Tuchel, Brenton. Like he's been, I know Frank Lampard was your guy, like, and he was he's a club legend and everything, but he the the levels are absolutely frightening, um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The difference, like the difference in this Chelsea side, and it's not—I'm not having a dig at Lampard, but it, it's just like it's—it's it's sort of unfair on him every time Chelsea go through another level or go up another gear. There's just another nail in his coffin as a, as a coach. I feel like I just think clubs don't look at that man and go, "How did he get that so badly wrong?" Whereas Tuchel's just got it so right, and even his management of some of the players, like he—he's loath to to pick on Timo Werner when he can't score at times. You just keep talking to him and keep going and, and have that. Moment in training session where Timo wanted to go back out to try more shots and, and score and whatever, and, and he says you don't need to come back in your ground and just you know that way it's, it's been really really good. So I, I, this Chelsea team are absolutely buzzing; they're flying at the minute, and I think it'll be sometimes when you get European finals and it's between two teams from the same country, 
it can be a bit dull. Like Liverpool v Tottenham wasn't dull for me and Paddy, obviously, but it was for the neutrals. Um, it can't get go that way. Whereas I think this could be a, a cracking final, really do. And and that's an interesting point you made, Steve, on the money. Uh, was it conceding two or more goals and losing five games? This city side, as good as Ruben Diaz has been, and as, and as good obviously as like the Fernandinho and, and and De Bruyne are, there is that sort of still that query about them of whether they are mentally just um, as tough as some of the other great sides. And it's going to be really interesting to see see what way the two teams set up um, come in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I'm going to correct that because Southampton now were just where it scored two and lost five two, but the point is. Uh. Like the point yeah. stands, five out of six is still an incredible fucking record to kind of have that. And you're right, I think it's Diaz has been to to this city side, this current city side, what Van Dyke was to Liverpool. Um, he has absolutely made a massive difference to to kind of the confidence I think Pep has in sending everyone forward. But I think if you do, as Patrick said, like if you can get that first goal, it's key in every game. It's especially key in, against City. Like they are the kind of they are flat track bullies. Like they like being ahead, and they like kind of defending a lead much more so than they like coming back. So I do think, um, Brandon won't like us all kind of edging towards Chelsea. I'm sure he'd prefer going in. I, I certainly know I would. If, if my team would prefer going in as the underdog. But I think there's just there's been so so much evidence now that Tuchel might just have Pep's number, and every coach has it. Like every coach has a a coach they come up against that they struggle um, against, and and this might be just another one for for Pep. Yeah, that's an interesting thought as well. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. If, if City don't win this, haven't got there, and having him got them there, you'd have to wonder what would. I'm not saying he's going to leave next year, not that that, but you'd wonder what effect that would have on mm-hmm. this City side. Whereas I think if Chelsea are to lose this, I don't know how much it's still be a nightmare to lose a Champions League final as it is like, but I don't know how detrimental how it would be because they're they're quite young. You feel like this side will go again. Um, they, they weren't expected three. to get there. No. No, nope. that's that's the thing. Like, you know, uh, when when Tuchel took over, like if you said that they would, which looks like they might finish in the top four, they might win an FA Cup and they might win a Champions League or be in both finals anyway. You know, I wouldn't have believed you. Definitely not. Um. So yeah, I think there's there's probably more on the line for City. It's like they've they've been building this for a long time. You know, it's almost like. Like Chelsea in twenty twelve, um, or, or you know even two thousand eight, um, losing to United on penalties like that was Chelsea had, had great teams in the mid two thousands that, um, went deep in the Champions League and it was all built towards that, and then that was a devastating blow, um, that two thousand eight final, um, <clears throat> but I think that would be the case for City this year, and as you say, like Chelsea are a young team. In terms of the players are young, but they're also a young team because they've only been together for for so long. A lot of them, um, but but I think you know, Pat really has some some choices to make in the final. I think he's his selection here will probably be a bit greater than than Tuchel's. Um, I mean, I don't think it'll be anything like we saw in that league game yesterday because, um, I mean. You saw for for um, Chelsea's first goal, like Rodri, 
was completely on his own in midfield and he ignored a turn. I think there was three Chelsea players around him and he lost the ball and Chelsea ended up scoring at the end of that move. And, you know, as one of the lads said there that, you know, City liked to defend the lead and they like, you know, getting out in front. And I don't, I think if, if they had a different team on yesterday, they would have probably defended that lead better. Um, partially because of the Aguero penalty, which was just ridiculous. Um, and, you know, partially because of who was on the pitch. Uh, I think in the, the FA Cup game, you know, Foden didn't start and uh, De Bruyne went off injured in that game. And then yesterday in the league game, um, both of them didn't start. De Bruyne didn't make an appearance. And Foden came on with 20 minutes ago. I think he didn't do much, but I think if you see both of those start and, you know, maybe Mares as well, who didn't feature yesterday, um, a different midfield, you know, it's it's a completely different animal. Um, but I think, you know, not for me because I'll be shitting myself, but like for a neutral, it'll probably be a good game to watch, you know, even tactically to see with the try. So looking forward to it. I think to just two really quick points there, Brendan. I think it's absolutely massive the champions for for Manchester City in their long storied history since two thousand and eight when they became relevant. <laughs> the, the Champions League has been like it has been the goal, and for Pep, it has been the goal. Like he's never won a Champions League title without Messi in his side. Like that's why people say he's a spoofer. That's why people say he's not as good a coach as. As, as he likes to think as he, he is or his record shows. Now, I disagree. I think fundamentally he changed the way football was played and that's always a sign of a good coach. But the fact is, he hasn't won a Champions League without the best player we've ever seen play football. So you have to ask yourself, like, the weight of expectation. Will he overthink it? Will he complicate it too much? Will he, or will he just go with what's worked this season? Because realistically, yeah, the league, the league's not technically done, but they've comfortably won the league. Um, they maybe should have be in the running for quadruples still. Um, so they've had a particularly good season when, when a lot of other teams stumbled. So, but I do think that that weight of expectation both on the club and Pep as a manager are huge. And the second point on the Paneca, or the, yeah, the Paneca, I think it's far worse for a goalkeeper to concede one, to concede a Paneca, than it is for a player to miss one. Because I think it takes a little bit of balls to actually take one. But, I mean, even me, who's old and slow, like, I would like to think I could get up in time to catch a Penenka in my hands if someone tried one against me. Um, I may, a, a guy I used to work with when I worked in the 42, he had a chance to take a penalty against David James uh, in a, at, a, like, a, a media sports event type, type thing, and he took a Penenka, and David James was not happy whatsoever with it. Um, so that's why I've always liked it. Uh, he did not score, but James was still not happy with <laughs> about the whole thing. Uh, but I think just like you know, if City are, are are two points clear of United as opposed to ten points clear, I think that's a much different penalty he takes in that situation as well. So I don't like yeah. Look, my favorite player to ever play football, Andrew Pirlo. Like he he used to love doing it, so I I'm not I can't defend I can't criticize it and not be a hypocrite. So, um, but I just think like going back to like the actual game, it's going to be. I think Chelsea have nothing to lose. Chelsea like you know and said Chelsea have done this. Chelsea have been here before. They're comfortable in the league. They know they're going to be in the Champions League next year. This like 
City winning the league means nothing to them this year. Like, they've done this so often, like, it's not a big deal. So, this is everything for City. Um, and that just w- would worry me if I was a, a Manchester City fan. Yeah, I'm exactly the same opinion. I think it'll get to them. And I think, I think Chelsea will pip them in a couple of weeks. And on the Panenka as well, I have no issues with someone taking a Panenka. You miss it, you miss it, whatever. Um, I, I think some of the media coverage today of Aguero, though, especially some of the papers, was wild. They thought he'd killed someone just because he missed the Panenka. Um, it happens, like, if he'd have scored it, he'd have been lauded as um, such an unbelievable player. And um, look how good it was and to have that pressure and all, and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, but like, yeah. what's worse, like taking a Panenka or Harry Kane trying to break your collarbone, and you don't see anything well, about that. Like the the priorities the British press have about, you know, can what's considered show off and what's not. Like it's just nonsense. It's, it's daft. Um, and also, him releasing an apology was ridiculous as well. Like, um, I, I yeah. think I was just called him a dick because he tried it. Fuck if it's against um, your team, like against yeah. Us. <laughs> yeah. That that was the only reason. Yeah. And like I think even my dad called him a dick like and he he was fired up <laughs> at that point. Um I think there was more words in his apology then when he inappropriately touched the fourth official, but we'll not get into that. Um Steve, you're also got a European final coming up in Manchester United against Villarreal. Uh just quickly on it, how are you feeling with it and do you think United will win the Europa League? Um, I'd be surprised if they didn't win it at this stage. I thought Roma were probably the toughest team left, and they made very, very light work to them. The problem's going to be is if United start as slowly as they start nearly every game. <laughs> like the commentator made a point today when they went one nil down, um, that they have gone one nil down more in games this season than they have gone one nil up, and that's just such a weird position to be. Like they must be the best second half team in world football. Uh, and I just don't know if you can do that against uh, an Emery side because I think they're just set up. If they take a lead, you know, we talked about it in, in the Champions League final, if they take a lead, it's going to be very difficult to, to break them down. Whereas the counterpoint is if United score first, I can see United winning comfortably 3 or 4 nil, to be honest, or maybe 3 or 4 1. Um, because they do have the players, I think they've, they've found a nice little groove this season. Cavani looks exceptional. I wish he was four years younger. Pogba looks like he cares. Bruno Fernandes is still a goal and assist machine. Penalties still count as goals. I don't care what you say. Um, <laughs> but like, what was it? His first, just, goal, his first goal in open play uh, in like 13, 13 games or something recently. Um, but like, I, I, one, I saw a stat earlier, and I'm, I'm being serious on Twitter, and it said uh, there's been a, it said Bruno Fernandez's penalty is the hundred and thirteenth. This season, and when I read it, I read it as that's Bruno Fernandez, 113th penalty this season, and didn't bat an eyelid. <laughs> you just read it, and then was like, oh, I will read this back again. Yeah, you wouldn't uh, be surprised yeah. if that was the case. There's uh, a, <laughs> there was another, I thought there was another stat down the round, um, about Fernandez, and it's in the last 213 games, he scored 92 goals and had 77 assists. Like, I know other other te- fans of other teams don't rate him, but he is, I think, the best player Manchester United have had since Ronaldo. Um, I think, yeah, he can go quite in games, and then all it takes is a little chip, a little pass, and um, I think he's just exhausted at this stage. I mean, he's just he seems to play every game, even when he should be getting a rest. I would have rested him today, to be honest. 
Um, but yeah, like Europa League title, I'm, I don't can't say I'm going to go out in the town and celebrate it if United win it. But like it's a trophy, and it be I it it puts me in that awkward situation of oh there's another two years of of Solskjaer confirmed then if he happens to win a trophy. So, um, but all of that said, if if the one thing that comes from the Solskjaer reign at United is that they got Paul Pogba playing like he cared about football again and he sticks around. I mean, you'll take it, like, because when he, on his day, like, he could have gone down three, th- today, this is what I, frustrates me about Pogba, right? He could have gone down three times today before he actually went down for that penalty. And he's, he does that too often. Sometimes I f- wish he would fall over a bit more because sometimes, you know, you could get a free kick in a decent position, but he insists on staying up and being strong. But it, part of that is just because he, he constantly wants to have that final assist or he wants to take that shot or whatever. So I think United are playing good football. I think United's season ended with that run kind of in the middle where they, they drop points against Sheffield United and teams like that. Um, which is a shame because it would have been nice to have like an actual title race, but that's, I think Manchester United fans, whether they win the Europa League or not, have to walk away from this season and say the club are moving in the right direction. I wish Cavani, as I said, was four years younger because he seems to be the perfect striker for the system they have. Greenwood's starting to find goals again. Rashford's had a bit of a dip in form, which is bad time, and I think but Greenwood has stepped up at the same time. So um, it's just at the back, they're like... Victor Lindelof is not very good. Uh, Harry Maguire is not very good, um, and I don't think that's that's United's weakness. And it, it it goes back to the discussion I think we've had three times on this podcast about Solskjaer is very much an attacking coach. He needs help with the defensive organization side of things because some of the stuff you see, like the. <laughs> I feel like a broken record, but Harry Maguire getting caught and not looking over his back shoulder. Like, how many goals do United have to concede in that way for 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 someone to say something to him? Like, you know. Um. So. Do you think he's tired? He could be. He must be tired carrying that head around. Like. Uh, <laughs> but no, he has got a lot of minutes. Like this was the first game he like he hasn't started and finished in the Premier League since he signed for Man United, and that's. An incredible record and, and a testament. Like in, in modern football, that is so strange for a player to have that kind of record. And it could be tiredness, but I just think it's it's a weakness in his game that every single coach that goes against United tries to exploit. Um, and I think the biggest the biggest call for the Europa League final is going to be who's between the sticks, because Henderson's done nothing wrong in the league to kind of lose his spot, but he's obviously favoured De Gea in the the cup competitions, but if he goes with with Henderson in the final, then it kind of says, well, that's De Gea's time at the club up, and it's such a shame that that David De Gea's best years in Man United coincided with the 10 players in front of him being absolutely shite. Um, and now that there's actually a decent side in front of him, he's kind of at the end of his at the end of his reign. So, um, so I think that's the biggest call Josh is going to be make, going to have to make. But yeah, look, it's a Europe, I don't. Even, I couldn't even tell you what the, the Europa League trophy looks like. Like you know, Paddy mentioned you know old big ears like earlier on, and our jug ears like uh, that's like such an iconic trophy. I actually don't know what is it the same as the old UEFA Cup? Yeah, it's the yeah, Cup trophy. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, it looks like a, a giant vase. 
There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. at the end of the year. Like so, uh, I think it'll, the only thing it would say is I would imagine because Spanish clubs always take Europa League so much more seriously than than English clubs. I think it will kind of mean a bit more to Villarreal. Uh, oh God, I yeah. Yeah, but it's like Arsenal play. That's like, and I, I'm sure we'll, 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 this might be a spot to put in JD's voice note later on or whatever. But like, Arsenal played that game as if a nil-nil draw would do them. It was the most bizarre European semi-final performance I think I've ever seen. Um, and it just they baffle me as a team. They really do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he he'll have a few choice words to say on that semi-final and what happened just on Villarreal they only have a, a population of 50,000 uh, in their little town so they'll be this will be I'd imagine the next couple of weeks for them will be all they'll be thinking about um, and obviously Unai Emery is quite handy in the Europa League too it's sort of his competition so I don't think it'll be as easy as some people maybe think for Manchester United I do think I would fancy Manchester United to come through and win it like um, but I do think Villarreal can cause them some problems I saw today as well Harry Maguire Potentially picked up a bit of an injury. Um, he was seen leaving, getting off the team bus um, uh, in a in a protective boot, and then I saw somebody saying his head was in a a, a support JCB, um, <laughs> which was <laughs> which I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, we'll see how, we'll see what he's like for Tuesday night against Leicester, and obviously Thursday night against Liverpool. The reschedule fixture, the that reschedule fixture was obviously caused by protests off the back of. Uh, the announcement of a Super League that lasted 48 hours but the three um, the three teams still stand strong Real Madrid Barcelona and Juventus all issued statements this week um, I think they issued them after UEFA had said that they'd welcome the nine clubs back in and um, that they would have to stick to strict rules rules or they'd be fine again but they've come back in basically and got a little bit of a slap on the wrist what do you make, uh, Paddy, what did you make of Real Madrid, Barcelona and Juventus still sticking to their guns on this whole nonsense idea and issuing statements basically saying they're going to take the other nine clubs to court because they've broken a binding agreement? Yeah, it's surprising that they just keep doubling down and, uh, and not sort of going back. It's, um, it is surprising, but I suppose when you, when you see the, the gravity of the financial difficulties that the big two in Spain are in, and that this was going to be such a cash cow for them. You know, every everyone was guaranteed like three hundred fifty odd million pounds sterling just for for joining up. So it would have, you know, potentially remedied the the years of financial decay at Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, but yeah, it, they're obviously still very very perturbed at what UEFA you know have have done and I think they're not getting the first share because in reality those two teams and Juventus as well generate so much money so much interest for European football and they think they're entitled to more right personally I don't think they're entitled to more but you know it's just it's just hard to believe I didn't even read the full statement it was that boring that I couldn't even finish it it, it, it was it was very um Sort of legal jargon and the way it was structured in paragraphs and things. Yeah. It, it read more like a, like a, a court report, um, which maybe maybe shows kind of their where their intent is that, that maybe they will take it through legal processes and try and claim any money they can because they're bloody desperate to be honest. And you know if you would have thought a decade ago, uh, you know whenever Barcelona were at their absolute peak and um, 
that there would potentially be a, be in this place of financial ruin a decade later. You wouldn't have believed it. Now I'm sure I'm sure everything will work out okay for them, but um, you know them and 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 Real Madrid. Is, I know Real Madrid have won a lot of Champions Leagues lately, but they're not what they were either. So it's it's sort of it's an odd state of affairs for European football and. You know, I'm sure there'll be some sort of money will change hands and, and everyone will, will sort of be content, I think. It's really interesting as well. Everyone pitches, uh, forget about Juventus, they're just trying to stay relevant, um, but they're not. But it's really interesting that everybody pitches uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona against each other. Um, obviously, these great rivals, and we, we had like, up until about, up until Ronaldo left, basically Real Madrid, we had like a, was it a ten year spell? Whereas that those games uh, were just watched by everyone. It was like I remember when Sky Sports had La Liga. I'm sure you three are the same. Sunday night at the Clasico, can't wait. You read your Sunday dinner, you're all set and ready. Um, Steve, we were still going to school. You're obviously what in your thirties then, but it doesn't matter. And we were sort of getting ready for La Liga to come on. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad Steve can't see me or get near me. <laughs> <laughs> But it was massive, and then um, and there was this great rivalry built, and they hated each other, and they hated each other. Those two couldn't be in more cahoots, Barcelona and Real Madrid. They couldn't be more in favour of each other and how to help each other. And it's it's mad how it's all coming out now, so that they can get this breakaway league. They're supposed to be great rivals, hate each other and all this here, and actually they're just in bed with each other, trying to get make sure that they get their own way, that they remain on top. Um, and it's just really, it's just the timing of the whole thing. It's just, I'm not even talking about the statement, it's the timing of this whole Super League. It's just so evident, as you said, Paddy, how desperate they are. And I wonder what you thought, Brenton, like, you're obviously, you've the Champions League final coming up. Um, you're one, Chelsea, one of the first teams to pull out that last moment outside the ground, um, where Peter Cech almost got mobbed, but it was a celebration at the end because the fans were celebrating what had happened. But your thoughts on it as well, like, that they released this statement. It just felt so, School, you know, childish. Oh well, we're going to do this now because you aren't backing into our league. Yeah, I think yeah, um, they've run out of options. They've run out of options. They've, they've, they don't have a choice, as Paddy said. Um, and I think they're they're maybe a bit scared. Um, and it's it's probably commercial and um, slowly been shifting towards the Premier League um, and it, this was their opportunity to, to bring them in together and, and you know now that there there has been a few American owners in the Premier League uh, and as we saw they were kind of at the forefront of this movement to to, to use their commercial nouse to, um, to basically make more money and it's basically um it's down the shitter now, um, and they don't have, they don't have any other choice. They, they, you know, as Paddy said, they're probably trying to scrape some money out of this through um, legal proceedings, which you know they eventually might end up getting. But um, <clears throat> you know, Messi is coming to the end of his career. Uh, Ronaldo has has moved to the to the Italian league, and you know, there's no one really. Um, Coming through those big two, um, that would, you know, live up to, you know, it's hard to do anyway, obviously, but, um, you know, they maybe expected Hazard to do that or, or Griezmann 
um, some of the Barcelona youngsters. Um, but the you know the pressure's probably been a bit much, and um, you know with the likes of Ramos, um, Cruz, Modric coming towards the twilight of their careers, um, and you know we're seeing more and more world class players uh, moving to the Premier League, and you know it's it's more competitive, um, it's better football to watch, um, and you know it it looks like you know either either Mbappe or Holland maybe both um have decisions to make um about you know and if, if those two don't have the the money um who knows what way they'll make it or what way they'll get it possibly to to bring one or one or both of those two um but you know both of those could end up in the Premier League as well and then you know they're kind of big bother um how do they how do they attract more viewers um globally this was their way of doing it, the Super League. Um, and, you know, I think they're in trouble. Uh, uh, especially now, you know, both of them, Barcelona didn't threaten the Champions League this year at all. Uh, obviously, we've seen Real Madrid kind of go out with a whimper against Chelsea. It must be said, Chelsea were good, but Real Madrid, you know, make no bones about it, were, were poor. Um, so, and obviously, Juventus as well, you know, kind of went out in disgrace in the end. Uh, so, you know, those three, I don't think they're coming from a position of strength, I'll put it that way. And uh, I think all those other clubs uh, pretty quickly read the room. Um, but it's it's the people at the top of, of these huge entities in European football uh, that, you know, the, they don't understand, I don't think, and they're probably going to run their clubs into more and more trouble. Steve, if you were uh, in charge of UEFA, and obviously that would be utter chaos, uh, but what would you do next with these three clubs? I think you have to do so. Yeah, you have to ban them, uh, and that ban has to stick um, because I think anything else just absolutely weakens your position the next time anyone decides that a breakaway league is is the way to go i think and the problem uefa now have is is they're going to be fighting on two fronts because they've they've handed over a significant amount of power to maybe some of the clubs who aren't the clubs with the interests of uefa are hurt but because they were against the super league they've kind of drifted in that direction and then they've also got three of the biggest Clubs in in world football saying, "Look, no, we want we we don't want that to do with UEFA anymore." So, it, they're, they're in a really tough position, so they have to be have to be really strong, I think, and they have to come down hard. I I, I think the Champions League can survive um, a, a season without Barcelona, Madrid, and Juventus because. Um, it has to. There has to be some punishment for whatever about attempting this, not getting away with it, and coming back with your tail between your legs, and you take whatever penalty comes with that. Like to continue to defy it, I think UEFA have to have to make a stand. So if it was me, they'd be out with the the, the Champions League for a year, and they'd they'd all have a transfer ban as well. Not that 
many players will want to go to teams that A, are in as much financial trouble as all three are, but B, aren't playing Champions League football or European football at all. So that that's kind of where I land on it. Um, but I do think I do think that they wouldn't have made the statement they made, and it was a bit rambling and, and it was like incredibly, incredibly boring. But you feel like they've had pretty good advice to make them think that they do have a case against the the other nine teams, and they might even have a case against another twelve teams because if we're to be if we're to believe like how close the likes of Bayern Munich and Dortmund and PSG came to to joining as well, like we may end up seeing this playing out in the course for a while to come. But I'd be surprised if if there wasn't a, a European ban and, and possibly even a transfer ban on top of that uh, to come in in all three clubs' future. Yeah, UEFA have to, um, as you said, they have to remain strong. Now, UEFA remaining strong is, uh, let's just say that they haven't really set much precedent for this, but um, they have to do something. They can't just let the, the three of them, and it looks like they're not going to, waltz back in. And it'll be, it'll be really, really interesting uh, how football looks, especially European football looks. For say they did get banned for two years, and what was to happen, and even how those two those teams would get on their leagues. Then I think it was was it Miguel Delaney or someone was tweeting the other night that he hopes that some of the teams say some of the smaller teams in, in those leagues get their act together and like overtake the next event, uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona in, in the league. Like I, I'd love to see Sevilla win it now this year, and they're right in the mix. If they can beat Real Madrid tonight, they're still in that in the mix for that. Or I know Inter won it this year in Serie A, but match you saw Atalanta. Get their act together, and obviously Juventus wouldn't have European football. Might have the big names to go. Um, it's really interesting. So hopefully, uh, as a selfish way, hopefully it backfires massively on these three clubs. And instead of them doing themselves any favour and breaking away to form the Super League, they end up snookering themselves um, for a couple of seasons. But it's going to be very interesting. This story's going to run and run. Um, it was probably a saving grace for UEFA that, that Chelsea were able to. Uh, comfortably beat Real Madrid in the end and come through because can you imagine the build up to that final if uh, Real Madrid were in it against Man City um, in a couple of weeks time it would have been absolutely nuts um, and just some of the nonsense that would have come out would have been daft but it'd be really interesting to see how this story goes and runs and runs um, one of the other topics we wanted to talk about tonight I know he's not here but we're going to have his views and tip it into the podcast is Arsenal and where do Arsenal go from here? Now, they're currently winning 2-0. I think it is against West Brom at the minute, but their season's done and dusted. They'll have no European football for the first time in 20-odd years. Um, next season, um, they've gone backwards. I just wanted... Uh, this sound, I don't like doing this, but... Arteta seems to be getting a bit of a saving grace by neutrals in the media. Do you, do you not think so, Brent? Do you not think he's sort of getting away with it a wee bit? Um, pro- probably in so much that I haven't seen a lot about him in general, um, which probably tells you that he is getting away with it. Um, and <clears throat> I don't know if that's again. I don't want this to sound harsh, but I don't know if that's just because Arsenal have become so irrelevant. Um, they're they haven't been in the conversation for a long, long time. Um. And you know, are are people just starting to accept that's kind of what Arsenal expect? Um, that's kind of you know 
Arsenal fans at this stage aren't aren't used to challenging. They're not used to getting to the to the latter stages of, of these um, competitions, and um, certainly not not used to being up towards the uh, top end of the Premier League. So, um, if that is the case, you know that's that's even more damning um, because kind of it's almost like people don't care. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, we, the, the stat about um, the anger lost the same amount in six years at the Emirates um, it was a, was a really jarring one for me. Um, you know, the team is probably slightly better uh, than they have done. They've performed under Arteta this season. Um, I think the FA Cup win is probably giving them a wee bit of grace as well. Um, <clears throat> but I do think Arteta's selections are strange. You know, I see I see JD a lot of the time on Twitter and, and in our group, wondering what the team's about and yeah. why certain players are playing. Uh, and you know, I must say, I. I do agree with him a lot of the time. You know, the the fact that Martinelli's been fit and not starting. Um Smith Rose Saka should be starting all the time. Odegaard, you know, looked good um when he did have a few games um and then he was taken out of the team. Uh yeah it's um I don't know uh, somebody made a really interesting uh, point that the the Arsenal players and they've probably needed for a long time probably need someone to you know give them a kick up the ass um, a manager with a bit of Should something about them <clears throat> yeah I mean that would probably work um, <laughs> probably just tell them to go around kicking everybody <laughs> get, get, sent, get sent off in finals uh, but yeah, I think that would probably be good for a lot of those Arsenal players. Um, you know, somebody to obviously not go hard on them all the time, but they seem to get, they seem to have got away with a lot. The Arsenal players on and off the pitch, um, not trying, not giving hundred percent, not committing uh, certain things off the pitch. Um, there's been too much of. Uh, you know, somebody like Conte would probably go in and, and whip them into shape. Uh, you, know, some, you know what I mean? Somebody like that. Um, I just think mm-hmm. Arteta's, you know, he, he probably would maybe fit in a bit better at a, at a different club. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's the saviour, you know, I don't think he, he's, he's going to bring the glory days back to us, unfortunately. Or even, you know, make them more relevant. Um, <clears throat> which is, which is, what they need, you know, they need somebody to have a good, good solid league campaign. You know, maybe a a run uh, in the Europa League. You know, right? To the, I know they got to the semi final, but um, really looked like they're gonna win the competition like United this year. Uh, they need a season like United have had, basically, um, and probably need a few adjustments to the squad, get a bit of the dead wood out, and I'm sure Jedi will. Highlight plenty of those. I do. I do you know what? I think you've made an absolutely unbelievably good point there about 
nobody caring about Arsenal. I think the only reason that I even think about Arsenal is because of JD. I, they would be yeah. so far removed from my thoughts, uh, other than, you know, how much they're breaking his heart. I just, like, they have just become a non-entity. They have become Newcastle to me. They have become Brighton and Hope Albion to me. They're just another team that make up the Premier League. Um, and that's such a shame because obviously, you know, they are a team that has a fairly storied history within the Premier League. But it just, it just goes to show what happens when you have cheap owners who, who, who don't reinvest in squads and reinvest in players. And, you know, we've talked this year about like the difference that say Martin Odegaard has made for Arsenal. But like when you actually step back and think about that, that's a Real Madrid reject. In someone who can't get a game at a team that's, as we saw in, in the Champions League, um, semi-finals, crying out for a creative midfield player. Um, and that's where, that's where Arsenal are, are kind of sitting at the moment in terms of the, the players they attract. Now they have some decent young players, I think, um, a couple of whom seem, from what I'm just seeing in the background here, playing quite well this evening. But like, Arteta just is the wrong man at the wrong time for Arsenal. And they do need that manager to come in and, and it's not Roy Keane, but it's that kind of like actually just, you know what, give players a kick up the arse kind of manager. Um but the other the other thing with Arsenal that other clubs don't have is the the impact of Arsenal fan T V and things like that as well. Like and it, it shouldn't have the impact it's having, but it's clearly like they they were ultimately responsible for Wenger getting the sack and things like that. And you can't help but feel that it's in the background of a lot of decisions the club make both on and off the field. And, you know, that's such a nonsense to have to be putting up with um, as a football team. So, yeah, it's just they need they need that kind of... Do you know who I think would be really good for them? I think I don't see him leaving his current job, but someone like David Moyes, I think, would be the right man right now for, for Arsenal. Um, when JD hears this, it's going to explode. I know, I'm sorry, JD. But I do think that he, it's, it's that kind of manager. Like, not, like, Arteta, I think Arteta, if Arteta was to take over Manchester City, say, for example, in the morning, you might actually not see much difference between what Pep does with them and what Arteta does. But you can't, you can't coach players up to the way he wants to play football. Um, and that's not saying, like, he's just been a bad appointment. Uh, and I've been buying that drum for months and months and months. Um, and it's coming back to haunt him. And like, you know, they are, they are basically Newcastle of London now. Um, and that's, <laughs> Jesus. Well, they're, like, like, they're, they're a team that think they're a big club, but they're not. Like, and that's, that's, that's Newcastle personified. Like, so, uh, I, and I don't want to see it that way. I would like to see a, a Premier League where it is legitimately City, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, um, Liverpool, I, I, like Leicester even, like that there's actually six, seven, eight teams competing at the top. Until Arsenal get good again, it's going to be three, four, five and and really, you know, one, two and three. Um so they've a long, long way to come. But maybe a season out of Europe isn't the worst thing in terms of rebuilding and and, and, and focusing on the priorities. Yeah, even the, even the appointment of Arteta is strange. You know, like for a big, big football club like Arsenal, you know, to, to take a punt on someone who has never coached, never been a senior manager, like he's just been a number two, like it's it's a risk. And I know, yes, you could say, oh, look at what Guardiola at Barcelona, but like 
I think just to, to take someone's assistant and think it's, they can replicate it is kind of naive. Uh, you know, it happened, for example, at Liverpool, Pep Linders, Liverpool's assistant. He went he went to coach in Holland there, and he was back within six months. So he was obviously you saw him, you know, working alongside Klopp that he could implement some of the same ideas, and you know, he probably got a job off the back of who he's worked with didn't work out, and it looks like it's going to be the same for Arteta. But it, you know, it was a huge risk, even. Chelsea taking Lampard, at least he had a, a, like a full season of management in which he did pretty well at Derby under his belt before they gave him the keys you know, to Stamford Bridge. So I think even even that is kind of strange. And, you know, uh, as we're talking about the squad, yes, they've got, a, they've got a handful of good young players and we talk about them quite a bit on here and there's a few that I, I really like, but see the rest of their team is absolute horseshit. Like, like look, just looking at that starting lineup. Today, like you know, Callum Chambers and El Nene and Ceballos and William, it's like you're talking about Brighton. It is it just it reeks of like mid-table mediocrity, uninspiring shit, and it just must be horrendous for Arsenal fans our age to have grown up watching scintillating football to watching this absolute dross. And you know, I've watched a lot of shit Liverpool teams too, so I I, I totally know the feeling, but. Just looking at that Arsenal now, I just see Liverpool from like 2010, 2011. Yeah. Just, yeah. It just looks like the rot is going to be there for a while unless they can, as, as you were saying, clear out Deadwood and, and build around the, the good young players. And if they need a change of management, you know, so be it. I, I thought Arteta would work out and maybe he still will if he's given time, but there is a huge job there. Like It's an absolute circus. Like, um, And I don't know... <laughs> I don't know who the best one. Like, if I was an Arsenal fan, the thought of having sort of a, a quintessential journeyman sort of uh, Premier League experienced guy would make me feel a bit queasy, like a, like a Moyes or or whoever. You know, I don't know where to go or what to do, but Arsenal have a certain swagger and style and, and panache about them, and maybe they should go and hire, you know, Arteta, but ten years older, like look around the leagues and see see who's doing what and and what sort of style that they play and and, and sort of plug that in. But it's a big job, and I, I don't know anyone off the top of my head who who would who would fit the bill. But yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of changes needed at the Emirates. I think that point on 2010 to 2011 is pretty cool because. I saw a lot of people have been saying about Graham Potter from Brighton, especially a lot of people that seem to work for the Athletic. I don't know, is he, does he own part of the Athletic or something? I don't know what's going on there, but a lot of them seem to be thinking, turn their eye to him. I think that would just be utter nonsense. No harm to Graham Potter. He seems lovely in Brighton. They, they might just scrape through and stay up. Um, oh, well, they're, they're going to stay up, but whatever, they haven't had an, unbe- an unbelievable season. I just think that would be Hodgson Mark II for them. Um, I don't know why... I, I kind of think Nuno Spirito Santo at Wolves is a decent manager. He's been obviously unlucky this year with injuries, especially to his front man, Raul Jimenez. But I thought for a while there he looked like he'd gone to one of the potentially the big six that maybe were um, stuttering or needed a change of manager. And nobody ever mentions him. So um be interested to see where they go next. I do, do you think just they need a change. Do not think yeah. it's, it's, do not think that's just more of the same, though? They don't have the players to play that kind of football. And... 
there's only so many Portuguese players you can bring in every transfer window. So yeah. I, mean, I, I, I honestly, I'm, I, like, it's not David Moyes, but you know what I mean. It's someone in that mold who can play okay football, can set a team up well. I think they just need to start from the the really really basics. Like you know, we, I, David Moyes. It's just the name that popped into my head, but it could be any one of those teams from from. Fourth to, to 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 kind of tenth in Premier League, that style of manager, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I just think you need to move away from the type of manager like Arteta, like uh, Nuno, that that play attacking, attractive football because they don't need that right now. And I know it's their brand, I get it. But sometimes you just need to go back to to basics and just not concede for three games, and then you you sneak in one nil win and. Trust me, it's not fun to watch. Sean Dyche. <laughs> maybe it's Sean Dyche, yeah. Maybe Teddy Howe. I don't know. Like it, it's it. There's something. There's something about Arsenal that's just. I would absolutely. I would. I would sell my right bollock for Sean Dyche to be manager of Arsenal. You can. You can send that to Arsenal now. I'll, I'll sell it. No problem. Live stream JD's reaction. Yeah. No problem. JD can remove it if he wants. No problem. If Sean Dice is given the keys to Arsenal, 110% fully on board with that, that would be unreal. And the fans back next year. Imagine him to to Arsenal fan TV. Yeah. Fucking headbutting all of them as he walked into the studio. Unbelievable. Yes, I'm on Sean Dice to Arsenal. Hope JD hears this. Um, That would be just beautiful, I think. It'd be what Arsenal need. It'd be unreal. Just telling the Emirates to fuck off whenever they go behind and then them all shutting up. That'd just be pure class. Good evening. Not a very good evening for Arsenal on Thursday. Absolutely woeful. There's many words I could use to describe that performance, but it was terrible. Um, season's over. Obviously, a good win last night against West Brom. Good win. Like even I'm laughing at the thought of that. Um, Williams first goal and probably last goal for Arsenal. So it was a nice goodbye present for the Arsenal fans. Thanks for nothing, William. Um, I think Mikel Arteta will probably get till Christmas, lads. If the performances don't improve, if we're not showing any signs of progression, then I think we really have to look elsewhere. Like I like Arteta, but personally, I probably would have him gone at the end of this season, and we start afresh over the summer with somebody else. But we just know Arsenal won't do that. Um, so I think he has till Christmas to sort it out, or he will be. He will be gone. Um, Champions League. <sighs> what a terrible final. Honest to God. like Awful final. Um, I don't even want to pick a winner because I hate them both equally. Uh, like in one hand, if Chelsea win it, that's Chelsea winning two Champions Leagues. And obviously we have none, so I don't want them to win it. I don't want City to win it because obviously they've spent a billion pounds to even get there. So... It would be an absolute disgrace to football. Uh, so really, I'm supporting Villarreal in the European finals. Hopefully, you know, Champions League final just gets, I don't know, hoofed into the oblivion and doesn't take place. But, uh, yeah, I can honestly probably see City winning it. I just think the way they've been performing this year, even though Chelsea beat them at the weekend, I just think, you know, maybe they've maybe poked the bar that way by, by beating them, you know, and... Preventing them winning the Premier League title just to maybe a wee week earlier, but 
It probably will be a very entertaining final. Um, Tuchel's done fantastic for Chelsea since he's came in. Like it's it's crazy. Like um, I've seen a lot of people comparing the fact that if Arsenal had brought Tuchel in, what difference they might have. Right? I think it's a bit different. Chelsea have a far better squad than us, but um, he's done very well. And yeah, Cronky out. Good luck, lads. And um, before we sort of finish up, <laughs> um. I wanted to touch on two things. Firstly, uh, your thoughts, Paddy. Jose Mourinho was back in management already? Yeah, it doesn't take him long, does it? Um, yeah, he, he seems to he seems to get jobs, and maybe that's the right place for him, somewhere where he can sort of build up that cult of Mourinho that he just, even from the start at Spurs, you know, with all his history... On, at the other side of London, I don't think he was ever going to be revered and loved and cherished the way you know he was at Inter and he was at Porto and he was maybe from his first spell at Chelsea. Uh, he was always sort of starting starting on the back foot. Maybe Rome is a place that he can sort of make his own and you know get his mojo back because you know Mourinho when he came in two thousand and four was such a breath of fresh air. He was so charismatic and and uh, you know just engaging and media darling and controversial and it just he was he was blockbuster like all the time like you just wanted to see what he would say next and what he would do but o- over time he's just he's just completely you know I, I don't know he's, he's just as I said he's just lost that mojo but interestingly he's spent a shitload of money over the years and uh, yes he's pretty tactically astute maybe not for modern day football but you know, he was the first manager to spend a billion pounds on transfers. Like, yes, he had success where he went, but he always had, he was always at the biggest, shiniest club in the, you know, in the country, wherever he was. And, you know, that that shouldn't be forgotten about, that he needs money to do things. And, you know, yes, it can help, but you, you look at what other managers can do on, on shoestrings. And uh, I just don't think Mourinho has that in him. I think he needs to go and splash a load of cash. Um, and then create that mentality where the, the world's against him and the team and um, he sort of seems to like cultivating that. So who knows? Who knows how it'll go at Roma? Um, maybe maybe that's maybe that's the spot for him. But uh, it's hard to see him, you know, I think we spoke a few weeks ago. We we're saying, like, is this someone who's going to end up in, a, in an international management job soon? Just because his, uh, his last few appearances... Or his last few sort of management jobs have just been getting worse and worse, really. Um, so we'll see how long he lasts at Roma. And I think that, I think there'll be the, a few people in that changing room who don't who don't want to see him either. Like uh, I think he fell out with Pedro at Chelsea, and he obviously Mkhitaryan and Smalling and stuff um, are people that he he didn't fancy much. He hated so um, that'll be interesting on day one. It, it, when he when he signed. Uh the Roma fans went nuts. Uh, he's still re- so revered in Italy because of um, that Inter team that won the treble, the first to do it, and still nobody's repeated the feat. Um, so he's still like a massive uh, following over there. We we have had a, we've had our fill of him here, obviously at Chelsea twice, United, and then Spurs. And but it is it is strange sort of to see how revered he is over in Italy. And his objective will be basically stop Inter. That'll be his objective. Uh, Inter Milan obviously managed by Conte who doesn't have the greatest relationship with so the first Roman Inter game next season is going to be very tasty um, we interested to see how he does get on that it's such, that's such a massive job 
uh, Roma. Uh, they need to be back winning trophies. They need to be back challenging for the league. I think the last time they were properly challenging was actually when uh, Jose's Inter Milan beat them to the title. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he gets on. Um, what do you make of it, Steve? And then Brenton, obviously he's managed both your side. So what do you make of Jose still hanging on to manage your career? It's interesting that he suddenly made Roma the worst team in uh, Rome um, when the other <laughs> team are based on fascists and Nazis. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, Mourinho, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Like, I can see why they did it. They conceded 53 goals in Serie A this year. Uh, like, no Jose Mourinho side is going to like be that open at the back so I think that's where they're coming from but Paddy made a great point there like it's like he's fallen in with so many of the players on their own and players have done really well like Chris Smalling has done incredibly well since going to Roma so I don't know it just feels I don't know like Roma were one of those teams that I I quite liked I always had a soft spot for them probably because yeah. of the like, I love the jersey, I love the crest, I, like, I really, really like Roma as a team, but now, he just makes every team he coaches instantly dislikable, because it'll be someone's fault, like, he, he'll pick a player, you can almost read the storylines now, he's gonna pick one or two players, and he's gonna alienate, that's gonna be the storyline in the Italian press for the, the first, like, two or three months of his reign, Things will go south by maybe January and he'll be out with a job by March next year. Like it's just this, the Jose Mourinho experience is, uh, it's consistent. It's just getting shorter and shorter with every club he goes to. Would you echo that, uh, Brenton? Yeah, I think that was um, probably part of his appeal in his early days is that he, the places he went, he made them unlikable, but he also made them hard to beat um, and I think he's just missing that point now uh, you know we built you know, built up that um, everyone's against us mentality um, and players bought into it um, because uh, you know they won games and they won trophies no matter what way he did it um, you know it wasn't always pretty but yeah the, the longer time has gone on and um the you know years have passed that he's trying to convince people that you know finishing second is is the best um thing he's achievement he's ever had in his career at United and um you know trying to constantly win the league cup um yeah he's he's just uh, as I think Paddy mentioned he's just kind of lost his mojo he's um not adapted. Um and he the places he's going, you know, need players to be coached rather than players to be bought and yeah, um it's as if he's lost that sort of drive to do that side of the game. Um or he never, you know, overly had it as much as, as other coaches did. Um he was more of an inspirational manager rather than a technical and tactical coach. Um which is you know Kind of your players already need to be, sorry, need to already be, you know, have the talent and have the ability and have the know-how, and you just put the drive into them. And I think that's what he's done at a lot of clubs he's been at. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, him going there will for the for the Conte Mourinho games alone will will be worth a watch. I would say. Yeah, and he also 
absolutely despise Juventus. So that's another. Um, so basically, he's making Serie A a bit of box office next season, which will be interesting. We started the show talking about uh, Chelsea and the men's team and their pursuit of European glory, and we're going to finish the show talking about the brilliant uh, women's team. Emma Hayes and her side uh, wrapped up the WSL this afternoon with a 5 0 win against Reading. And of course, they're also ch- chasing European glory when they play Barcelona next Sunday in the Women's Champions League final. Happy enough with the day, Brenton? Yeah, um, comfortable. Uh, first, you know. Reading came out actually. Obviously, they came out and tried to um, stop Chelsea winning the league. Um, Man City ended up winning, so you know they needed to win that game. Um, but after the first goal, they were comfortable. Uh, got the second before half time, and and that was it. Um, it was a a parade to victory after that. Um, yeah, just have quality everywhere, um, all over the pitch. Um, I thought. Erickson was great. Um, Kirby and um, Kerr are fierce duo. Um, you know, I think they've they've combined over twenty times a season um, for Chelsea, and the two of them just seem to know where each other are. Um, anytime Kirby seems to be the one who drops deep um, and picks up the ball, and Sankar knows then when to run and. Uh, she's she's just a great finisher. I think she's twenty one goals in the league this season. So, um, yeah, really impressive. Um, exactly what they needed from today to um, build themselves up for for next Sunday, which will be absolutely massive. But uh, super impressive any time I've seen them this season, and hopefully they can go that one step further. Emma Hayes is an absolute hero. Um, so I hope. You know, I think a lot of people are even hoping just for her um, that Chelsea get over the line. Yeah, she's she's one of my favourite people in football now. If you get a chance to ever see any interviews, watch them because she's just brilliant. And nice moment today on BT when she she got her medal and she was talking about giving it to her little son Albie uh, as soon as she gets home. So that was just a nice moment, and you can just tell how much she's enjoying this. Like I think she would have actually been happy enough to put her team out tonight against Barcelona even though they just won against Reading today because she knows they're flying so um, that's yeah. going to be a brilliant final next Sunday evening um, I don't think there is is there any other any Stephen or Paddy is there anything to add on, on the night's pod anything you've seen over the weekend maybe we've missed the trick Emma Hayes for Arsenal starting now oh there you are no please no She's too good. She's too good. She good. Yeah, she plays too good football for us at this stage. So. Yeah, you see, that's the, the same thing. There, should should be too good for them. Um, are you got anything else, Paddy? You saw this weekend? Nope, Paddy doesn't seem to be there. Actually, can we briefly talk about Liverpool? Have oh, an incredibly incredible run at the moment. I don't think they're getting the credit for it because obviously they're so far behind in the European places and stuff like that. What was it four, five wins out of seven? And it's the two draws were horrific, like the Leeds draw and the Newcastle draw were obviously just so disheartening. But they've been playing and getting results at, at a decent level. And I think I I really wanted to know before we go, like, do you think Liverpool missed the trick by not laying a glove on on Real Madrid in in that Champions League tie? Because yeah, I feel like now the form you're coming into, Chelsea Liverpool semi final would have been an incredible like two games. I, st- I still think Chelsea would have yeah, I think, I think they, they would have beat us but they would have been well, I think we would have 
been closer than what Real Madrid were the other night. It was very disappointing actually as a Liverpool fan to watch that Real Madrid side uh, limp out of the Champions League. Not obviously wanting to lose, but just the the thought that we we could have we could have been closer to this side, and it was just that that home tie was just obviously the way a tie was very disappointing in Madrid, but the home tie we hardly pushed them, and it was just. Yeah, when you see the way they get on, certainly sometimes last night in the first half, I don't know if you saw it, Paddy, but they were excellent at times, and then they, what they seem to keep doing is they drop off in the second half and they invite a bit of pressure, but thankfully Alisson had a, an unreal game last night, and, and when Thiago scored in the 90th minute, I let a roar, and I had the roar into the beanbag because I didn't want to wake Finn, but just the relief. It was a really nice moment for me for this season, just to see him score. He played really well last night in midfield. It just felt... Like a nice moment, and and I know, oh, next season, next season. But I'm really looking forward to seeing this Liverpool side next season when hopefully bodies are back. Anfield has a bit of a crowd in. We can see how Thiago and uh, Fabinho, Henderson, whoever in midfield can get on with Van Dijk and whoever behind them. So yeah, it is it has been a good run. I I've noticed it. I just didn't want to jinx it. So thanks, Steve, for that. Um, but it has yeah. been a good run to been on, and hopefully they can carry it on into next season. Hopefully. Uh, sorry Leicester fans use absolute shit the bed the next couple of games and we somehow catches um, I'm still holding out hope that that will happen or not but if Liverpool can, can finish 5th and go for the Europa League next year then you'll take it after everything we've been through this season with injuries and, and the way some, some of the results some of the performances have been so yeah it's been nice to know what you make of it Paddy yeah, like we've we've strung together a few a few results. Obviously, the two draws, as you mentioned, were were horrendous. I I guess I maybe slightly disagree. I don't think we've been playing well really at all lately. I think we'd still look pretty crap. Um, but at least at least we're turning out results. Um, yeah. So and I, I totally agree with you. I think if we had got past Real Madrid, like we we didn't lay glove them, we're totally there for the taking. I think Chelsea would have beaten us very soundly in the semi final. Um, yeah. And it's just the same problem. Or center halves is just an issue. Like you can't, you can't play with no center halves. And you know, it's uh, it was such a an oversight at the start of the year to start with three of them, start with three senior center halves. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully next season things will, you know, we'll get Van Dijk, get Gomez back. There's a lot of chat that we're signing Konate from Leipzig. Um, it sounds pretty likely. Um, so we'll be well bolstered at that position. Maybe get a few, uh, maybe a, a signing or two elsewhere, and, and we can go again. I hope Leicester completely put put their pants. Um, it, it could happen. It's happened before. Um, so we'll see. It's a big game against United, and United will have to rotate a lot. So uh, I think if we can beat them, Leicester have a really difficult run, and I think it's maybe United, Spurs, and Chelsea possibly, or something like that. Maybe. I'd be stunned if you're saying. A fairly like I could see six, five, six changes from the United side today. Um, yeah. On on Thursday. Um, are you only saying Liverpool haven't been playing well because Salah's being your best player for, for the past? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he must be must be bad if he's down tonight. Um, yeah, no, I just, I, I just, I, we just haven't looked right. We haven't looked right for a long time. Um, and you know we've. You know, I, I didn't watch the game last night, but I've seen the high, highlights. You know, in many games, the pattern is that we 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 might get it get ahead and then just invite pressure for half an hour. And it's maybe just just fortuitous that it sounds like Allison had a decent performance 
Otherwise, we're probably looking at another two points dropped. Uh, yeah, that was excellent. Um, so, yeah, we've we've been we've been sh- we've been you know really poor at defending leads, and um, you know we look so susceptible late in games, uh, and it does it doesn't get helped, and it's not probably not mentioned very much, but Klopp has ma- makes some very unusual substitutions. Uh, I often feel it doesn't strengthen our hand. We often feel weaker after the changes, and that's maybe just in the last six months or so. Um, I, I don't know what you think about that, Philly. I don't know if I'm, I'm talking shite there, but um, I feel sometimes we invite pressure on with the substitutions. They're meant to shore things up. They actually just contribute to this sort of chaotic feel, and you know, then the line drops deeper. There's panic. More things can happen when balls are bobbling around boxes. Just really negative changes. Um, no, he, he he hasn't been able to do it as much this season because all our centre half's been injured. But what he usually does is when we're leading, say it's one goal lead, he'll bring on Joel Maddop for the last ten minutes and stick yep, him in at centre half as well. And for, in my opinion, just the other teams looking like going, all right, so you're just going to sit back and we'll just go out and attack here. Just inviting pressure for no reason. I, I always thought that with Klopp, and he always does do that. He, he likes to bring on Rafinha and try to shore things up. Whereas sometimes I don't even think you need to make a change. Like at this point of the season, Liverpool hadn't played uh, in over a week there, so players were still fresh. Um, and some of the changes even he made, at Jota looked really fresh, and he took him off to bring Firmino on. Wouldn't have been the one I'd have done. Um, like at the at a point as well before he took Manny off, Manny looked like he was carrying a little bit of an injury. He played quite well, and then he looked like he was limping. He left them on for ages before he took him off. It was it was quite strange, um, as usual with Klopp. But look, um, ne- we'll see how we get on next season. Hopefully, we're in the Champions League. If we're not, we're in the Europa League. We'll enjoy it. We'll hopefully give it a good rattle and um, get into a final like United have got this year, like Chelsea and Arsenal did a couple of years back, um, and just go on again. It's this season has been. I'm loathed to get sucked into the chance of getting top four and then just get pissed all over again as this whole season is done. <laughs> all of us, someone has, I'm blaming Steve here, but someone has clearly been stabbing a voodoo doll to death all season on Liverpool. Um, but just looking forward to this season, to be honest, getting over. I'm actually looking forward to the season end and the Champions League final in the Euros just so I can watch something else and not get annoyed about something. But be interesting to see how Thursday night goes. I think Manchester United will rotate heavily on Tuesday night. And then play as strong a team as they can, obviously against Liverpool at Old Trafford next on Thursday night. So it'll be interesting to see if we can get Kabak back. I feel a bit more confident of uh, him against Cavani because Williams doesn't seem to be able to read players' movement, and Cavani's movement's ridiculous. I'm not saying Kabak will stop Cavani. Cavani's I love Edison Cavani. I think he's class. It's just a shame for me he's wearing that jersey, but I think he's unbelievable, and I can't wait till he moves because um, he scares me at Manchester United. He's that good. So. Yeah, looking forward to Thursday night. I think it'll be actually a good game because United, no pressure United. Liverpool have to try and go for it. So, Klopp's still waiting for his first league win in Old Trafford as well. we a nice night to get it. Um, I think that is everything for this week then. Uh, this week's this, this show anyway. I don't think there's anything else to add. Uh, thanks as always, uh, folks, for listening. Thanks for all the comments as well that we get sent in or people say to us. And we chat about it. Um, so I really appreciate that. Really appreciate everyone listening. Uh, Bretton, where can they get us on Patreon? <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash football babble. And you get all our podcasts across all your podcast apps. Just look for the football babble. The same as all your socials. You'll find us there as well. Enjoy the rest of the football. It's another crazy midweek coming up. Um, chat to you soon and good luck. <laughs>